You are now listening to the AR Design Unholstered Podcast with Alex Costa. Hey guys and gals, this is Alex Costa, owner of AR Design, and this is the AR Design Unholstered Podcast, episode 19 with Jay from Pew Science. He is the owner and technical director of Pew Science, and he specializes in all things that are quiet. So Jay's gonna talk about cans today. He's gonna debunk some myths, give you some tips and tricks on getting into the can game and why cans are so important to our, uh, to the firearms industry and to our hearing and why it's why we need them. Uh, anyway, Jay, thank you so much for being a guest today. It's very, very good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. So let's hear about Pew Science and what you do. Yeah, so um, Pew Science is, uh, it's actually an acronym. It stands for Professionally Engineered Weaponeering. Uh, thought that was pretty clever. And uh, the, the principal goal of my company is to characterize suppressed small arms uh, in a meaningful way for both the public and for uh, military, law enforcement, government, uh, and weapons developers. So it's my hope to, um, by the end of the effort, whenever that may be, we have a comprehensive um, encyclopedia on the complete phenomenology of small arms uh, and suppressed weapons and how they behave and how they impact uh, both the shooter and bystanders. Awesome. So it's pretty much what I do. <laughs> and, that, and that's super important because there are a lot of companies out there that'll list something as hearing safe, but there's first round pop, um you know there how safe is it okay is it safe for one shot yes but follow-up shots or multiple shots you're now causing hearing loss and i think there are companies out there that have or have open lawsuits for such things so um good good so um yeah so and, and, and people forget that people don't realize that it's sound suppression not silencing and uh, yeah yes sir yeah that's it's interesting you 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 mentioned the safety aspect um you know, I, I come from, well, first of all, I'm, I'm a practicing professional engineer in multiple states. So I have, I'm a consulting engineer. Um, I come from um, weaponeering and target defeat background uh, for the U.S. intelligence community. Um, I worked uh, in that community for a while, figuring out, you know, the most efficient way to, to take out certain targets overseas, um, you know, understanding uh, the phenomenology of, of target defeat and how best to apply large caliber munitions in certain scenarios. And so when I left that world and came in, into the private sector, uh, I, I kind of switched gears into protective design. And so now I specialize in anti-terrorism, force protection, uh, weapons effects uh, on the other side to actually understand how best to protect our assets, um, domestic assets, you know, military assets, um, consumer, industrial, um, a lot of different hazards and um, anytime there's an energetic event, how to best protect the populace. And so I'm also a gun guy. And so, you know, I started Pew Science. I'm applying my protect protective design and analysis experience, specializing in fast transients. So that means loads and events that happen very quickly in time regimes that are very short, like a gunshot, for example. And so, you know, applying that knowledge to small arms is really fun. It's really great. And now I get to show you, well, gosh, if you want to suppress your signature, part of that signature is sound. Um, how does that influence the shooter? You know, if you if you, you you're let's say you're a new hunter, you say, "Oh, I want to use my bolt action rifle." 
I want to hunt deer. Uh, well, I don't want to wear hair protection. Well, I mean, maybe I need a silencer. Okay, well, how many shots can I shoot without hair protection, with that silencer and that weapon, with that cartridge, shooting that deer out of that blind? Am, am I going to have to worry about my ears? Should I be wearing some plugs? Maybe I'll put a plug in my right ear. Am I left-handed? Am I right-handed? How's it going to affect what I'm doing? And so that's kind of like, I, I saw that need and you, you know, you see marketing guys, you know, in the, in the gun industry a lot. They say, oh, well, this silencer is hearing safe. So, well, it could be, but he, hearing safety is a function of dose limit. It's time dependent. So, you know, what may be hearing safe for some person might not be hearing safe for another, depending upon how their use case is. Does that, you know, does, does that make sense? No, absolutely. To me, it does. Okay. Um, for people listening, he's just saying that, you know, everyone's hearing is different, right? People are sensitive to different levels. Well, no, not necessarily. They're hearing different, but their use case is different. Oh, their use case Meaning is different. Meaning that, yeah. So it's like if, if you're going to do a carbine course with your AR, yeah, you may need a different setup than someone who's, you know, laying down on a, you know, oh, right, they're shooting, right, right. shooting a 500, you know what I mean? It's use case. So so it's like, how case. often are you going to be shooting? Okay. Use case specifically. Okay. So, yes, sir. so, and you said you're, you're a P in multiple States. You mentioned that yeah. earlier. Cool. Yes, sir. So people that don't understand that's, you have to take exams. So you become a professional engineer. You've had to a, you have to apprentice essentially right underneath a registered yeah, professional yeah. engineer. And did you have to do that in three States separately? Like, no. So there's something called reciprocity. So my, my primary uh, area of practice is in Texas. Okay. Um, but you know, and I've been, you know, I've been a practicing engineer for almost two decades now. So through the course of your work, when you do engineering in different jurisdictions, what, you know, those, the different boards, the governing bodies in different States will allow um, reciprocity. It's, it's almost like a concealed carry license in a way. It's a little <laughs> more stringent because there's boards and there's boards of ethics, right. you know? So everything is, it, it's, it's similar to other uh, practice areas like medicine or law or architecture, you know, right. and anywhere where we have to protect the public, right. We're, we're bound by the, the rules. Yeah. So you, you're a mechanical engineer, or at least you went, I'm actually a structural dynamicist. Um, oh. and by education, I'm a civil structural. Okay. So, so for other perspectives too, for people listening who are engineers, I'm a mechanical engineer. I didn't need, yeah. there's no need for me to go for my PE as a mechanical. Cause it's very rare that you're ever asked to be participant in the legal side of things, correct. Uh, but you're civil or structural. Um, mm -hmm. All civil engineers have to become PEs, and it's easier for you because in the state of New Hampshire, there's like two mechanical PEs. So it, to to be a mechanical engineer and get your PE in New Hampshire, you have to be specific to that company. Whereas, you know, you have. I would like to say tens of thousands of uh, civil engineers. Well, it's interesting because I'm structural. So I'm almost like I'm more of a mechanical engineer by practice right. just because of the nature of what I do with physics and, and mechanics and uh, dyna dynamics and vibrations is my primary research area. Yeah. So like cantilever and, beams and structures and. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that that's one of the things, but um, you know, uh, bla blast response and penetration mechanics and things like that. They're all, they're all, I don't know. All the engineering disciplines are related, but but you're right that not all engineering disciplines require licensure. But um, whenever you interact with the public and you need to protect them because a gro gross negligence could cause harm, that's when when licensure becomes important. Right. And so yeah, it's uh, 
No pressure. <laughs> an overpass, right? A, a civil engineer has to sign off on an overpass, a concrete overpass, and that overpass breaks apart and sure. kills the fucking motorist. Yeah. Who's, who's responsible for that? It goes back to who, you know, did they rubber stamp the, the design? Exactly. Or did they actually do the correct research into that? So, Or that thing in Miami, that you know, that condo collapse, for example. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was similar. Similar. Yeah. So, so that's your background. So people understand, yeah. you know, why you yeah. do what you do. So that's, that's awesome. And that's, that's, that's a challenge, man. I took the PE exams. I went mechanical and it was hard. So I didn't, I didn't get my PE or tried to even get my, or my FE. I didn't, I didn't get my FE. Oh, I see. So, um, anyway, so moving forward. So your Instagram is pretty awesome. You show, oh, so you're all you. about, you're all about data entry. You know, your data collection and data entry and, and the and how data is presented, because it's essentially suppressors, this decibel chase that everyone's going for. Is that most important? Um, a lot of people think decibel rating is most important. I'm sure you will get into that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's interesting um, when someone says about, they say decibel, um, they're really saying uh, sound pressure, right? They're saying, well, how, how loud is something? And then really it's, um, it's more complicated than that. How, how can we, how can you describe that to somebody in a way that is digestible? Cause I, I, we've only been talking for a few minutes. I am an engineer. I can keep up with what you say, but how can other people keep up with you? That's a good question. And that's what I try to do. Um, I try to make it simple. I knew going into this that it was going to be such a large effort and so incredibly complicated that I needed, I needed a way to explain it to the layman. And so I picked something simple, a one number system, and I call it the suppression rate. Okay. Um, because we know that hearing damage is dose dependent. If you shoot your gun all day long, it's different than if you shoot it once. Everyone knows that, you know, hunters know that, um, tactical guys know that, law enforcement knows that. They know that it's different when they shoot, uh, when a SWAT team shoots in a hallway, they know it's different than when a target shooter shoots on an open range. They know that inherently, it doesn't, you don't need to be an engineer, you don't need to be a, a scientist to understand how a firearm can, can put you at risk. So, um, the, the, the principal thing I wanted to focus on was if, if someone comes to pewscience.com, they come to my website, they're going to see a listing of rankings. And I want them to look at a number and say, higher is better, lower is worse. And it's all keyed to a dose chart. Okay. And the reason we have to do that is because for 30 years in the firearms industry, at least, Folks have been focusing on this decibels, this what's the decibels, what's the, la and, and, and the fact of the matter is a gunshot happens really quickly, dude. A gunshot happens extremely quickly, so quickly that, I mean, I don't know, how fast does it take to, for a honeybee to flap its wings? Okay. I mean, three times, like a millisecond, go a thousand, a thousand, you, you, you split a second to a thousand pieces. And a gunshot's over in a few of those. So if you can think about your ear as a system, it's going to be loaded by an input. You shoot a gun, you're going to get a pressure spike. 
But that pressure spike, if you if you were to zoom in on the time and kind of slow everything down, you're gonna you, there's certain characteristics. It's like when you go to the beach and the waves are lapping against the shore. Sometimes those waves are high, sometimes they're low, sometimes they're coming with increased frequency, sometimes they're slow. Sometimes the tide's low, sometimes it's high, your sandcastle gets knocked down, sometimes you're out chasing a wave and you get knocked down. But but you don't but you don't really think about it when you're doing it. You're just like, well, there's an input and my body responds to an output. Your ears are the same way. So we have to take the entire waveform. When we shoot a gun, we have to measure not only a single peak in time but we need to have the entire waveform history. We need to know when that wave's coming into shore, when that wave's coming to hit my ear, we need to take a picture and we need to take, we need that picture to, to capture all the colors, man, from beginning to end. And then we need to take it and we need to look at the ear and we need to say, how is that ear responding over that entire time period? And at the end, the answer we give you is your ear did this. And every silencer you have on every weapon system you have is going to make your ear do something. And that's what the suppression rating gives you. It gives you on one, on a level playing field, how does your ear respond if you're the shooter or if you're a bystander in the firing line next to you? And it doesn't matter if it's a 22 or a 338 Lapua Magnum. When you get a suppression rating from Pew Science, you can rank that all on the same scale because it's not, it, 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 all the suppression ratings are tied to a silencer, an ammunition type, and a host weapon. And they're all tested by me personally, and they're all analyzed by me personally. It's, and it's based on the 95th percentile human ear from the Army Research Laboratory with my data correlations that I've worked on for years with them. So basically what you have is an entire consistent metric, consistent with the mill standard, using, using data as was intended from the mill standard, done properly with engineering analysis and combustion analysis and combustion dynamics analysis to make sure the consumers get the right answer. So that, that's, what, that's what Pew Science is. That's that's awesome. And that's that's an awesome amount of information. And it's nice that someone is doing this, right? You're doing this. And, um, you know, I, I did have a quick question about, you said weapon system. How, are you also cataloging weapon system with different barrel lengths if it's something like an, or an AR? So like 10.5 versus, you know, out to 1620, if someone's shooting a similar type weapon with a 20 inch barrel, is that information listed for those listening? That's a really great question. We are starting to move into that in the public research. Okay. Um, uh, in, in private consulting, Pew Science does a lot of testing for weapons developers and silencer companies. Um, the public-facing products that you see on the website have largely focused on bolt action so far, mm -hmm. but I did just release some uh, test data for the Mark 18. And you're oh. familiar with the, the Mark 18 is the, the 10.3 10 inch 5.56 weapon system with a fixed fixed gas block. The gas port is uh, 0.07 inches in diameter. Uh, the buffer weight we use is an H2, yada, yada. There's a lot of details. But the sound signature from a silencer through a 10.3 inch 5.56 will be significantly different than the sound signatures through a 20 inch barrel 308. And we're slowly discovering that and walking through that. So as we continue, 
we will explore more. What happens with the 12 and a half? What happens with the 14? What happens with the, with the 16? What happens with those crazy people that want to put it on a five inch five, five, six, and don't do that. You know what I mean? And so it's like, so yeah, yeah, we're exploring that. Um, is there any exploration into, um, measuring the sound of the firearm with and without the suppressor the actual firearm itself so like the bolt carrier i mean i'm sure you have more back pressure coming through a system of bolts not saying ar platform but it could be anything like a, a delayed blowback that has noise too that has yeah. sound. that affects people as well and people don't realize that you're adding more pressure to a system you might have over travel of a part that is colliding with another part and your cheek welding against it and you got bone conduction into your face are, is there anything uh, in the scope of the future doing to that degree as well for like gas guns? And that's a really great question. And you asked a lot of things. So I'm going to kind of break it down. We'll go it's, step. No, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. Cause I talk a lot too. It's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> um, th there's a couple of things. Um, I will say to, re to reference the, the, the recent data that was just published on the website for everybody. If, if you guys haven't been to PewScience.com, uh, the Surefire SOCOM 556 RC2 silencer, very popular silencer. Um, we just started publishing that data and an, an exact phenomena that you just described is actually visible in the data for everyone right now to the public. You can see it. If you look at the muzzle waveforms published on the website, a um, little bit late in time, there's a little blip. That little blip, that is the bolt carrier closing after cycle. We tested six shots. We only included five shots in the analysis, but we tested six because we knew what was going to happen in the sixth shot if you only tested six rounds, what's going to lock back. Yeah. What happens to the sound signature when uh, when you have it locked back on the last round? Well, you don't get that closing. How can we prove that the data is real? Well, I'm going to publish all six waveforms for you. I'm going to show it to you right there. In the fifth, uh, on the one through five, you can see the bolt close. In the sixth one, you don't see it close. You look at the magnitude in Pascal's in, of pressure, sound pressure, one meter left of the muzzle. You look how small that is. It's not that much. That noise, that noise of the bolt carrier closing after the shot, while if you close a bolt on a rifle with no ammo, to you it may seem, oh, that's kind of loud. But I'll tell you what. For the members that support Pew Science that see the more in-depth data, when they see the, the sound at the ear from the ejection port, I can assure you the overpressure pulse is so much more significant than the bolt closing that the mechanical noise is the least of your worries. <laughs> and that's something that we actually didn't quite understand. That's awesome. A lot of people did. I mean, well, we knew it. We, okay, the collective we didn't understand. I mean, we, me and you kind of probably know. So a lot of people don't. So we figured that out pretty early. <laughs> we figured out the, that out pretty early. Yeah, and I mean, I have a full auto Uzi. The bolt closing on that because of That's the head spacing, it, it sounds like a little little gnome with a hammer going ting 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 ting. And you're, you know, I have the wooden, the old school wood stock on oh, it, nice. and that cheek welds right through and. That's beating you up. So you now that that bone conduction, that's complicated, dude. Yeah. And and yeah. I don't have I don't have those are not in the, I will say we do not have a proper model to characterize the exact hearing risk to the inner ear from bone conduction at this time. At this time. That's not to say we won't add it later. That's in the weeds. There's actually a lot of consternation and debate within the community about that type of modeling. 
Um, it's probably goes beyond the scope of the podcast, but, uh, I will say that's probably not, I think right now we're, we're, we've moved into more complicated stuff right now to the point where like, we're already here and going here. I don't think we need to do it yet. So we're going to yeah. hang out here when everyone yeah. else is here. But it's amazing. We're just, so you are just, you, you, you're kind of building this library and, and all this and it's amazing. Yeah. Right. And, and if you think it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's okay. We understand so much about space. We know more about space than we do our own ocean. And I feel like the suppressor side of the industry is like that. Like we're just, you're, we're just right here at the surface and there's, you know, 40,000 leagues under the sea below us that we, yeah, dude, it, we're, we're just scratching the surface, dude. It is like, and it's so fun. Like you're an engineer. So, you know, like the reason I'm, I'm just, I don't know, you just met you, but I'm going to guess the reason you, be, you went into engineering is because you like to solve problems and you, you, you probably took stuff apart as a kid. I built robots. I bought robot yeah. kits. I built model airplanes. I, I all that, and I've always been fascinated by guns because it's yeah. uh, it's carbon and fire and pressure and metal on metal with human applied lubrication, which is like, wait, that's stupid. Um, you know, if you think about it, like it, just as a, a younger person and looking at a gun, just being like, well, metal on metal with human applied lubricant that's gonna wear off or wick away from contact surfaces. That's a recipe for disaster. I want to learn more about yeah, it. You, yeah. You know, and people don't get that. It's it's guns are pretty fucking cool. They're awesome, dude. They're awesome. Guns are the coolest machines. Yeah. They're far the cooler, coolest machines. Far cooler than like fucking, you know, far cooler than like small motors. And I love small motors and engines. Yeah, no, they're cool. They're cool, but they're not gun cool. Yeah, they're not gun cool. So yeah, and that's, no, and that's what I love about that. You know, it's 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 just and, and people ask me all the time so many questions and most of the time it's personal preference. But I did get into an argument with a guy recently in a PRS match. He was shooting some other I shoot a Thunder Beast Ultra 9 with a nice two, silencer, dude. 264 diameter on a Area 415 Hellfire reverse thread and you know, this guy, he's got this can. He's like, oh, well, I've got more volume and a better decimal reading. And I was like, have you? I was like, I was like, cool. Uh, mine is bore size specific. And um, I had one that had a half pound of carbon in it. Um, and it, was, it was still great and quiet. But I was like, dude, listen to the, like, just listen to the harmonics of mine. And his had like a pop to it. Like, I was like, ooh, I don't like that. Not pleasing. Like, I was like, ooh, like. That's yeah. not nice, but you shoot a Thunder Beast behind a 24 or 26 inch 6.5 Creedmoor, and I run gold medal match nice, right? federal uh, that's running 29.78 out of my barrel at 70 degree ambient. And it runs hot for a factory load, and it's burger, uh, it's the burger 130s. Um, that's fast. And it's fast for a factory round. And, and, it, and I have multiple guns that have different barrels, different actions mm -hmm. that are still cooking the same with that ammo, so it's consistent. Um, but I was like, listen to mine. And he was like, you know, and it almost has like a movie quiet to it. Those Thunderbeast cans. Uh, they're, they're very quiet. And, and, and I love it. I'm like, it's hearing safe. Like, like to me as the shooter, I'm like, man, I've never felt uncomfortable without ears on shooting this, even out of a, a, a long barreled supersonic. Right. And I was like, no, I think mine sounds better. And then other, other bystanders are like, no, his definitely is quieter. Like, from everyone standing around I was like no nah, his is way quieter like it sounds way quieter it feels like you don't feel a certain way after it goes off you know and um that what silencer was that guy shooting i can't remember it was okay. i forget was it was it long was it short it was, was it long fat? it might have been it might have been a q can it might have been a full nelson okay 
Um, that makes sense. I mean, if that's true, that would make sense. And he was running, I think he was running like six, six, five by 47. Oh yeah. I, I, I just like went back in my mind. I was like, Oh, right. This is PRS. I was like, what in the world is that? <laughs> six, six, five by, well, so, so similar, S- same bullet, essentially a little smaller, yeah. lighter weight bullet than I was running. Um, you know, lighter grain weight bullet, uh, sa- same diameter. And, um, you know, and, and so the can had more, you know, mine's but it's a difference. And, and I mean, the, your point is you, you knew what you heard, right? Yeah. The guys around you knew what they heard, right? So the guy shooting his can, he's like, no, nah, but mine's quieter. It's like, well, is it? Because you know what quieter means? It means what does the human think? What does a human perceive? And that's why we had to analyze full waveforms. There is no other way. There is no peak decibel testing anymore. It doesn't, it's worthless. Because I tell you what, you go to the pvscience.com, you can work. I'm sampling, and this is going to be a little geeky. I, I'm sampling at a megahertz, dude. One million, one million samples per second. We have the peaks, dude. We got all of them. We got all the uh, all the data on the website's raw. I can tell you this much right now: there are silencers that have a lower peak dB that are louder, and that is because the human ear cares way more about one spike. And you experience that firsthand. Your silencer is probably quieter because it is. Well, what do we say about being at the beach and the waves are hitting it? the waves that your silencer is producing are hitting in a certain way that makes that body more comfortable. That other guy, those waves might not have been as high, but they're, they're, they're coming at a different frequency and they knocked you on your butt. And that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's great. I mean, that's, um, you know, uh, volume, volume, volume. Well, my can has more volume than your can. Okay, cool. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this off, not recorded. Um, yeah. I put a, a Gemtech Lunar 45 on my mm-hmm. Beretta Bobcat 21 Alpha. And it's yeah. like, bang, bang. And you're like, whoa, mm. no. And then I put a little tiny dead air mask on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and now I'm like, ooh, body likes this, you know? Really so it's nice, like you got yeah. all this volume, but little diameter bullet flying through a really volumetric can, but the baffles aren't sized correctly. So there's a lot of losses there, at least as an engineer. Yes, there's losses, lots of losses. And um, one thing I like to try to debunk with people on my page is, oh, well, I want to buy a 30 cal can so I can run it on my 5.56, but also mm. put it on my 300 black and then my 7.62 by 51. And I'm like, no. Can specific, can dedicated suppressors. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, it's just it'll make a huge difference because I was like, oh, five five six through thirty cal A. I had a seven six two um, AAC was my first one. Seven six two SRD, and I thought that was like the bee's knees when I first got it. And then and then it's I started silencer for the time. Yeah, the ratcheting system sucked. I blew, you know, you have That's to sit back to get the, the the ratchet replaced. And then I started exploring other cans and I was like, ooh, I like yeah. these. And wait a minute. Oh, I'm gonna do dedicated five five six. And and um, you know, a lot of people ask, like, oh, well, what's what's better, a Sandman K or a Sandman S? And I'm like, well, what are you trying to do with this, first of all? And that's yeah, another that's thing. capabilities is also a measurable thing here. Is like, what are you trying to achieve with your weapon system? Are you trying to make a CQB gun that's quiet but light, lighter weight that has a, a lower length of pull on the whole gun so you can move it and manipulate it better and get 
some muzzle flash suppression mm -hmm. and some sound suppression. Well, you put the K on a short barrel, like the Galil behind me. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's barking three foot flames out of it. And it's not that quiet, you know, and then you put a, a Rex Silentium MG seven K on the same gun and it's a short fat little can and you're getting what sounds like better sound suppression and you have no muzzle flash coming out because there's enough volume there to contain the pressure and, and, and the... yeah it's interesting i mean you, you said a couple things um we said a lot of stuff but but you're right i mean you're hitting the nail on the head one thing that you really need to think about is flow rate folks sometimes i think folks think that you shoot a gun with a silencer and the gunshot goes into the silencer and you're done. But the reality is this is a dynamic system. And what's really happening is that you are forcing high pressure combustion products at a very high rate, a very high mass flow rate, as we, we say technically, through a baffled system. The faster the combustion products travel through the silencer, the less suppression you all other things, all other things equal, the less suppression you achieve. So you mentioned the first thing you mentioned was you compared a, a, Ge a Gemtech Lunar 45 pistol caliber silencer to a dead air mask, a brimfire silencer of 22 caliber in size, bore size. And you remarked that the Lunar is much louder. Well, the reason why it's louder has little to do with volume and more to do with bore aperture and flow rate. So if you shoot uh, that little 21A pistol, it actually, and I, I have tested that gun. There's data for it on my website. Um, you can see that it has a very short barrel. So um, the combustion pressure coming out, what we call the uncorking event of when the bullet leaves the muzzle, that muzzle blast that enters the silencer is, is extreme. But uh, it's not a high volume because the 22 case is very small. So you don't really don't need a, a, a gigantic size silencer to do the job but what you do need is you do need a small aperture so that you can trap the combustion products so that's why the mask works and the mask actually uses something called a k baffle which is very efficient in that way um now you made another uh parallel with regard to or another comparison to the Sa the dead air sam nk and maybe the sam ns and the sam nk the Sandman K is something that Dead Air markets, and I know I know the the engineer of Dead Air uh, personally, the guy who designs all their silencers. His name is Todd McGee. He's a nice guy. All, everything that Dead Air makes, he he designs. It, it's him. So these are Todd silencers. Um, he made the Sandman K so that folks could put it on an AR, and it wouldn't really affect the reciprocating system. Why is that? Well, it has a very high flow rate. What does that mean? Has low back pressure. What's back pressure? Well, it's a reduction in flow rate. So, what's it going to do? You put a you put a silencer on an AR. How does the AR work? Well, combustion gases push the bullet down the bore. The combustion gases get to the gas tube, gas port. For the entire duration that the bullet has not uncorked, there's gas coming down that gas tube. What is that doing? It's creating an impulse to the carrier. What's the name of the game with the AR stoner system? Keep the carrier closed as long as possible to have pressure in the barrel drop before unlock. What does the silencer do? It adds dwell time. 
What do you do when you add a silencer? You unlock your carrier too early. What happens when you unlock your carrier too early? You get more pop at the ear. What does the same NK do? It doesn't unlock the carrier too early, but what does it do instead? Well, the whole thing's loud because the flow rate's too high. So what are you doing? You're chasing your tail. Yeah. So you put a Sam NS on it. What does the Sam NS do? Same bore aperture. That's okay. Is it longer? It's longer. Has more baffles. What does that do? Makes it quieter. But what does that do? Increases your dwell time. More port pop. Oh, well, crap. Well, it's quieter at the muzzle. Well, you just want more port pop at the ear. Now, what is your balancing act? What do you got to do? You add a buffer. You add a spring. You add a, a LMT enhanced carrier, Surefire OBC, Knight's uh, uh, Armament E3, longer cam path, delay unlock. There's all kinds of knobs you can turn, but the, the point is start with something that's quiet, tune your gun. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. All of yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know, people are like, well, what's what's easier to tune, right? And and, and it depends. And again, here's what, what do you want for capabilities or weapon? So superlative arms, gas block, cool. I like yeah. tuning my guns to run only suppressed because I only want to shoot suppressed. So I'm gonna close my gas block to shut and start taking shots until I get proper cyclic rate that i'm happy with good ejection good cyclic rate it's soft shooting and it's and with a variety of different ammos it is getting bolt lock on the mags you're getting your full travel but you're not short stroking it like that seems reasonable to me dude that's how i like it but then you got guys well i want it to run really well really well suppressed but also unsuppressed and i said you can't have both if you're gonna not necessarily not not necessarily you can have both but you're not quiet <laughs> you're gonna lose something right is it is your bolt speed yeah. increasing so that you're feeling more recoil impulse the shooter you're not tracking your dot as fast mm-hmm. and okay you're gonna get less shots out in repetition um when it's tuned so that when you take your can off you can run it well you know cool you like you want to run it without a can your can blows up in class because you had a bad jacket separation or something mm, yeah it's happened to me i it happened and um but i had a direct thread can i was like well fuck <laughs> you know uh whoops let me bring my other gun out um yeah but you know you, you get a lot of these like well i want to run it both ways and it's like okay then tune it so you can run it both ways but you're going to lose other things that you really like so i prefer to tune my yeah. guns to suppressors most of the time you know it's really great and you're, you're 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 hitting the nail on the head for a few folks right the military community for sure they love that you know but you know what you can do this is a little secret that people hate me saying um if you're really crazy and you want to get wild Stretch the limits of dwell time, meaning take a barrel, an AR barrel, put the gas port as far forward as you want to the muzzle. Go 11 and a half inch mid-length gas. Go 16 inch rifle gas. If you do that, what have you done? You have created a gas insensitive host weapon because that silencer is going to add dwell time. If you start with almost no dwell time and you add a silencer, bro, you're still cool. That's what I do. Now, I'm, I'm crazy because I know how the system works. Now, if you go to Joe Blow out there in the gun shop and he, you, you tell him to do that and he builds the rifle incorrectly, well, then you're going to have a bad time. But it can be done. And, or you can pick a really high flow rate silencer that actually suppresses too. And those do exist. For example, OSS. OSS has been doing some crazy stuff, bro. <laughs> 
So, I, I actually have an OSS back there because they're I cool. A, I have a CZ Bren 2 762x51 machine gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's the only one in the United States right now. That's crazy. And you put, I put a, um, put a dead air nomad on. Oh yeah. I, no I bet bueno. you I can predict how that happens. No bueno, uh, on back pressure. Uh, and, and I had gas coming out the stock next to my face. Obviously Bro. that's not great. Uh, that's a health risk for inhalation, whatnot. So, um, I do, I haven't shot it yet, but I do have my Helix 762 on nice. it because OS, uh, thank God OSS had a 15 M by one right hand, uh, adapter. Oh yeah, they do. And that was the, that was the one hard part of getting a can to work well on that gun is because of the threading of the barrel, and yeah. it's already a pencil barrel. So repro like cutting it, chopping it, and reprofiling it, it it's sometimes not an option for some of the CZs. But I haven't shot it yet, and I'm we have to do a follow up video on that. Um, but dude, let let me let me ask you this. Um, let me let me say something for the benefit of your listeners. <laughs> Notice how the Dead Air Nomad has no shortage of volume. It has volume, quite a lot actually. So why on earth would someone say that you need a large volume silencers to reduce back pressure? They'd be wrong. And why are they wrong? Because it's not volume, it's flow rate. What does the Nomad have? Low flow rate. Why? It wants to be quiet. What does the OSS silencer have? A high flow rate, volume independent. Volume has nothing to do with it. Now, now volume does have something to do with suppression, specifically in the sub subsonic flow regime. So if you're going to be a super secret ninja, super secret squirrel dude with 300 blackout out of your honey badger or your minifix or your pick another 300 blackout, Daniel Defense PDW, yeah. MCX, well, now, now volume is the name of the game, son. Now you put a full Nelson on that thing. You put a thunder chicken on that thing. You put a SIG SRD, whatever on that thing. Seven six two, yeah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, that's going to be very quiet. Yeah, I mean, it has to be designed correctly too. Of course, you have to have the right baffle geometry. But the bigger you make that volume, the better. Now, when you go supersonic, it gets a little more complicated. So, doesn't yeah. always help. Um, I want to talk about dwell times. So, yeah. there's a rifle dwell time which is like, let's say the AR-15, you have mm -hmm. your, and you're like, okay, dwell time is doubled from going from a 10.5 to an 11.5. People go, what do you mean? And it's when like that bullet passes that port, mm -hmm. your gas port, and it's the distance from the gas port to the end of the muzzle, correct? Yes, sir. So that's rifle dwell time. Then there is dwell time because a can, because there's a dwell chamber in the can, which is what the first area that usually gets hot on thermal. Uh, oh, the, the expansion chamber. The, the blast expansion chamber. chamber is is what essentially adds dwell time, correct? Because as that bullet travels through there and meets the first baffle, it's like creating a wall, and then you have that expansion chamber back. Is that how? In some ways, that's that's actually that's a pretty good way to look at it. Um, I would say, though, um, forget about the blast chamber okay. and just think about the silencer as a whole. Yep. Because, because what do we know about dwell time? Just like you explained it perfectly, the time it, it takes for the bullet to go from gas port to muzzle, the reason we say that time is important is it, because there's gas behind the bullet pushing. And when it gets out of the muzzle, the gas 
bleed the, the gas can't really go into the gas part as much because it's it's unconfined so it goes right. out into the muzzle it, it during uncorking so what the silencer does it just keeps that entire system under pressure longer right. so it's not really the blast chamber it's more the entire silencer cool so that just clarified yeah. that question for yes, me sir. yes sir um and and i look at it as bullet the rear face of the bullet as it passes each baffle chamber it's a wall and then a wall and a wall it's creating a kind temporary, of yeah temporary depending wall. on the silencer depending on the silencer yeah but yeah that, that, that's an excellent way to explain it yeah and then and that pressure is holding that pressure back through the system and then yes sir and then you can explain blowback and how is there so blowback is there a vacuum effect that happens after each shot is so there's a very that's a very good question um so blowback is a phenomenon that occurs due to flow restriction through a system and we, you just explained it perfectly. You increase dwell time through flow restriction. A baffle, a baffled system on the end of a barrel increases the flow restriction. So back pressure is created when you 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 can't get the flow through the system fast enough. After, um, you know during combustion. So on the AR, you get this blowback. But why is that blowback happening? A lot of people start to say, oh, well, it's because it's a direct impingement weapon uh, instead of a piston. It's like, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with direct impingement or piston. It only has to do with the fact that pressure flows from high pressure to low pressure. It's in its nature, just like heat. Heat goes from high concentration to low concentration. It's in its nature. So if you fire a weapon and the chamber still, the bolt's closed, if you if you charted the pressure inside the chamber, it, it would go up and then it would slowly bleed down, right? Very As slow. the bullet yeah. the bullet leaves. Well, what if that chamber opens when you weren't bled down all the way? Well, if that chamber opens, then it's dude, you're up to atmosphere. What is what is, dude? The pressure's like it's a party, bro, and yeah. it comes out and it's in your face. It's yeah. in your face. We don't want that. So what we want to do? We want to keep that closed as long as we can. Well, how do we do that? Well, if you add a silencer. You've just you've just told the system, well, I got a way more dwell time. And what happens during dwell time? Well, you're sending gas to your to your carrier key, or you're sending momentum to your carrier key from a piston. Same thing. You're sending gas momentum. It's, it doesn't matter if it's if it's in if it's gas itself or if it's traveling through the at the sound speed of steel through the piston. It doesn't matter. You're transferring momentum. Right. If you transfer too much momentum too early. Your bolt on locks. So you got to either adjust your piston system gas block. You got to adjust your direct impingement gas block. You got to add a heavier buffer. You got to add a heavier spring. You got to change your bolt lock. You got to do something. So with that recipe that we keep talking about here, you yeah. keep highlighting is Pew Science Gut. Uh, see, is is there? Because I said you just you just said you started working on gas guns. Most yeah, of your yeah. data has been bolt action because you have the least amount of losses to test these. You don't have yes, you don't have the un unlocking of the pressure system too early or accidentally based on barrel length. It's 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 a more controlled. Uh, it's a it's a better control. So into the gas side of things, is there any good references that you have? I'm sure you're going to build a recipe fucking library for all of it at some point. But yes. um, uh, uh, is there uh, anything right now? Because like people ask me all the time, like, well, what buffer? What spring? What can? What gas? It's like, dude, there's so you're asking so fucking much, and then it so depends many. on the can and 
cans do different things and you know like like i have an investi n4 put a rex yeah. lntm ng7k on it okay. um i like that recipe without an adjustable gas block and i haven't fucked with the springs at all it has an h2 i think in it and okay. i'm okay with that because it runs everything and it's not out cycling itself it's okay. not stove piping it mm-hmm. the felt recoil is not the greatest um but i'm okay with it and it's and mm-hmm. i'm not getting i run a lot of shit under night vision so i'm not getting oh, okay. um i'm not getting flashes because it's containing the fire that's good it's containing the unburnt powder that's burning outside of it. it's containing it it's burning all the powder in the can that's where, good whereas i put uh salmon s or salmon k on it and all of that high flow is burning that's a bright day for you <laughs> bright bright night so you you have that yeah. now and then and and you know i'm sure you're not getting into this as much, but this would be a really cool add-on because everyone's getting into thermals and night vision yeah. is doing a heat source signature or a visual IR emitted signature from cans at certain temperatures. Mm. So that would be real fun if you wanted to really fuck with people's minds. It's like, okay, this MG7K is great. I like it. It's quiet, but it will literally turn into the forbidden glowing popsicle after two mags in a hard use class where under night vision, this is now distracting me. And it's, it's so bright under night vision. It looks like it's turning into a balloon. It's starting to balloon through my tubes. That's how fucking bright it is. And I have some photos of that under night vision. And it's like, okay, can quieter, less, uh, less um, visual signature at night than a Sandman K but now I'm creating an IR signature just from the can heating up. And it's also terrifyingly unsafe to be anywhere near that can. So, well, now let me ask you this. Have you ever shot a quiet silencer at night that didn't have an IR signature? Not that I can think of. Uh, some that no. can, uh, the, the SR, the SIGs are okay for a little while but then they get real hot and they have that nozzle effect at the bottom, like a jet nozzle, which I also you know, wanted to ask you about that nozzle. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So we ask, we ask silencers to do a lot yeah. and the combustion event that occurs after uncorking is very extreme. Um, actually, it's funny, just as a side note, if you want to see the difference between a Mark 18 unsuppressed and a, th- and a 20 inch 308 unsuppressed, go to my website. There's a free article on there to show you there's, there's double blast. And why is that unburnt powder? Like you were talking about it ignites and, and, and it, it burns so quickly. The flame speed is so high. You trip into a detonation and you have a shock wave. What does that mean? Mm. Instantaneous rise to peak pressure with expedient decay. So if you shoot a Mark 18 unsuppressed, not only do you, you have a muzzle initial muzzle blast, you have secondary blast and sec, accompanying secondary flash from that event. Okay. So we're asking, we're asking silencers to do a lot. So to, to ask a silencer, Oh, well, I want you to be quiet and I want you not to glow and I want you not to get hot. And I want you to, you know, and you're <laughs> like, well, wrap it up. You put a Liberty's defense silencer cover on there. Those, those things don't, ignite i think those are the only science covers that folks are using right now that aren't just bursting the flames under hard use 
Yeah, mantas get catch on fire. <laughs> are they? Yeah, I think those. The burnproof gear I, I've heard are okay, but also set on fire. Uh, I think the coal tax set on fire. I don't know. I'm not here to like coal tax are for the... like PRS only. They're for lower round count, lightweight, yeah. uh, easy on, easy off. Yeah, and they're just to they're just to suppress the uh, mirage for your scope. For yeah, PRS so that's cool. Guns. But so I don't know, man. I you know it's interesting. I do a lot of thermal stuff, not like high speed, low drag stuff, but shooting pigs in the face at night yeah. in, here, here in South Texas. So, um, I, you know, I actually don't operate under night vision a lot. It's mostly thermal, yep. um, for thermal in my hunting. I don't care as much because like the hogs aren't shooting back. Um, right. I mean, not yet. We haven't weaponized them yet, but, um, huh. you know, for, 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 for like for military guys, you know, they always tell me, they say, gosh, if my if my silencer's glowing, it's going to put me in a bad spot. And I'm like, man, that seems like you're in a bad spot anyway. That's I don't know. I just don't think. It, I mean, I I can definitely do the testing. So to answer your original question, um, there are actually military requirements and solicitations to come out where they look at the infrared signatures. And actually, not only that, not only in that certain wavelength, but multiple spectra. Um, and there are there is testing that folks do to quantify the signature in multiple spectra. And that is something that Pew Science can do and will do. Uh, not only not only uh, visible spectra, but multiple wavelength spectra. Um, we've been asked by certain customers to do that. We've been asked by certain company com customers to to test a field arrays of microphones. So not only two sensors, but uh, you know, 16, 32, 30, sometimes thirty two sensors at once. Um, temperature tracking temperature, tracking IR um, in near and long wavelength infrared track tracking. You visible flash, um, so yeah, that's something Pusants will probably move into in the future. Yeah, it's it's I, the um, only reason why I brought it up is because I get asked all the time from a military standpoint for Kydex is, oh, can you get your stuff, you know, Kodora IR blocking wrapped? And it's like yes. We oh, can, that's interesting. We can glue stuff to Kydex so it doesn't throw an IR signature. You know, interesting because the cry uh, the cry uniforms, all that shit's supposedly cry blocking. Uh, That's cool. I mean, I'm not cry blocking. Sorry, IR blocking. IR blocking. Um, so many words. Or IR non-reflective, I guess. IR, yeah, IR non-reflective. Um, yeah. Because if you get hit with, you know, a laser or something, it, you know, is it organic? Kind of absorbs yeah. it. Where inorganic reflects it. So, um, yeah. So there's that. That was a question that was asked quite often. That's cool. Um, and so that's why I brought it up because I, I have heard a lot of IR blocking, IR absorbent solicitations as well and um and how often that might be asked of you since you do a lot of yeah it's uh, it's interesting I, I i hope i never have to deal with anything like that myself <laughs> like like as far as like me as the end user using the weapon system gosh you know i was talking to a swat guy the other day um he's he loves the the data we produce because he as he put it to me he said I love it because you don't tell people what to buy. You just give them the data and then they can select something for their own application. I said, that's why I'm here, dude. I don't care. If you don't ever buy a silencer, not my problem. I don't sell silencers. I don't make silencers. I don't care. And so I'm able to operate in a space that's a little different than a lot of folks because I don't have a vested interest. I really don't care what you buy. Right. And he was telling me, he was, he was, he's a SWAT guy and he works with all the HRT guys. And he was telling, talking to another guy. And the guy said, I don't like this silencer because it has too much flash. I think he was talking about an OSS or something or something, or maybe not something else. And the guy was like, well, dude, you're worried about flash and you're operating in an urban environment. 
Like if you're worried about flash in an urban environment, something has gone horribly wrong, bro. Like you are at the point where it's like, really? You're worried about revealing your position as a, as a SWAT guy in an urban environment? Really? Now I'm not a SWAT guy. And so I don't understand, like, I'm not really in that world, but I can, like, he, this guy is a SWAT guy. He was telling me, bro, like, if, if, if you're getting to that point, you got a problem. So yeah. then, so I hear his story. And I'm not saying whether that's right or right, but I hear his story and his professional experience and opinion. Then I see these guys on the internet and these, these guys that shoot for fun. And, and I'm like, okay, so if this dude, this dude's not complaining about Flash for his bulk gun. And you're telling me you're worried about Flash? Why are you worried about Flash? Are you shooting under nods and it's blinding you? That's different. Right. Are you shooting like, you know, but if you're like, what are you preparing for, my friend? Like, are you, I mean, I worry about your hearing. Cool. But it, like now, now Sandman K on an AR, that's a bright day for you. <laughs> it's bright. It's bright. But, yeah. Um, you know, that, but that's different. You know, that's, that's, I mean, let, there's levels to this. On any AR, like, I mean, I think even 16 inch guns, uh, Dustin yeah. from Coltac was running a Ruger or something or other 16 inch gun with the Sandman K. And yeah. he was throwing, he was barking fireballs on a 16 inch gun. I bet, dude. And I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, you know that fucking mil mil spec ammo is tested on fucking 20 inch guns in most cases so the did you use the flash hider in cap though they have one have you tried it so i haven't tried it yet no okay I, I heard it works but i don't know i i've heard it works as well um i i, I mike keith was supposed to oh he's get, a good dude get me one or so but he's hard to fucking nail down bro um, you we know the same people he's a great dude yeah but you gotta get a lasso on that guy you got Absolutely. Well, <laughs> well pappas wanted to do this and and he was like oh i'm totally down but getting those two dudes to nail down for a fucking day is like you have been the most challenging so far but um they hey <laughs> sorry most challenging that has finally committed um, oh um, I mean, damn, Ethan Suplee, the actor, was easier to get on uh, this podcast. Um, <laughs> so, no, no, it's, it's um, you know, I wanted to hear, like, the dead air perspective of stuff, because I, I loved, yeah. I really started to fall in love with dead air cans more and more. Okay. Um, when they first came out, I was like, okay, these are cool, and now I'm like, all right, they have solutions. Like, I have a 9x39 Krebs, and oh, cool. I have the dead air wolfman on it no the wolf sd wolf sd because that one actually had a board diameter that could handle the the 278 grain bullets and that was a fun one too because you would think bigger bigger it's a subsonic round bigger Uh bigger heavier bullet will probably be quieter than the other bullet so there's two ammo that was two styles of ammo that were available at the time there was the 278 grain wolf by metal like the proper wash Okay. And then there was like a 250, I think it was 258 grain, um, okay. the Tula. And it's steel case with the copper jacketed, uh, uh, full metal jacket round. And I'm like, man, I bet this wolf's going to be so fucking quiet compared to the Tula. Yeah. No, opposite. Really? Yes. There is a harmonic from the gun oh. with, the, with the wolf that actually is unappetizing without ears on interesting it has like a a ping at the end i've heard that bro it has that ping at the very end and you're just like i don't like that but you you run the tula which is a little bit faster around lighter weight Uh and it is fucking quiet so interesting so we're gonna do another video on that gun soon because now that i have now i have to test it 
Yeah. Yeah. I got to do it again. I want to pick that up. I want to figure it out. That's awesome. Yeah. If you want to borrow it and figure it out, because it, it's like, Dude. I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. I don't, it's just louder. It's not even a ping. It's, it's, um, it's a snappiness to it. It's like a, literally like a, like a little bit of a ping and a snap right uh-huh. after the shot goes off. And you're just like, Ooh, no. Why is it? So let me ask you this. So it's the same. What's the velocity difference? I don't know. I haven't. They're I both haven't, subsonic. I haven't velocity tested them versus each other. I have a. But they're both radar. subs. Yeah, they're both subs. The and gun what, was only and, supposed to be subsonic suppressed. Like nine by thirty nine was is subsonic only. That's why you people, know it's really interesting, dude. I I just noticed that I just tested a bunch of sensors on the Mark eighteen, like fifty tests. Um, I tested this one sensor, not to be named yet, and it rang like a bell, dude. I don't, and I test, I was like, first I tested it like the mini fix, which is 300 blackout subsonic eight inch barrel. Right. It was like, ping, ping. I'm like, that's weird. Tested on 308, 20 inch bolt action. Boom, ping. Mark 18, 10.3. Boom, boom, ping. And I'm like, this thing is pinging like it's in a choir or an orchestra. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. And the ping was loudest when the when the shot was quietest, obviously because it's not drowning out the ping. So 300 blackout was loud. 20 is 300. I mean 20 is 308. The ping was a little bit softer because it was drowned. And and the 556, I could still hear it if I tried with my ear. I had a lot of hearing protection in because it was such a loud system. And I was thinking to myself, it's got to be muzzle device or it's resonance from the so the dead air silencer might be it might be a resonance in the silencer. Um, it's probably not the muzzle device because you probably wouldn't be using key micro or something. What were you doing? No, what, it was just was direct thread. Direct thread. Yeah, okay, yeah, so it was probably the silencer. I don't. It's it's not like a ping. It's like um, it's like a high high frequency like pop. Like a pew. Yeah. So it's like your the sound that you want to hear, but like sharp. But too much. Yeah, it's sharp. It has a yeah, sharpness to it. That's interesting. And I think the dead air can't. The dead air wolf. SD is the only one on the market that can handle that round right now because of the bore diameter is just okay. big enough. From what I, you know, from what I was talking to Pappas on. I mean, I'm going to have to talk to Todd about it. I'm going to make a note. Um, what was the exact cartridge? Um, it's the 278 grain Wolf 9x39. And then I forget the grain weight for the Tula, but there's only one grain weight you can get for the Tula. And the and the wolf was louder because of that sound. Yeah, it had a weird resonant, a, a weird rapport. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, Dead Air actually, they're a they're a Pew Science client now. Todd actually threw his hat in the ring to support the effort, and he and I talk quite a bit. So I will definitely chase that down with him. And the chances are, if there's enough demand for that information, we will. So I don't know if there's going to, because the 9x39 was a Russian-only importable cartridge. Oh, and, crap. That just happened. And it's in, but I don't know how many people, so what is it? You, the the ban is, you, you're still grandfathered in for doing business. There's just no new business, right? I think. That's what I, that's what the internet told me. Yeah, there's no new business. So the people that are currently importing it can still import it. But I haven't seen 9x39 since November of last year. I mean, I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't seen them by 39. Um, I, I, I went on a fucking 545 binge 
um, oh, because cool. it, it stayed at like 21 cents all the way till a few months ago and it's it's up now that's another one that's also fun um i have a eight and a half inch seven six uh i'm um, sorry uh slr 104 ur so an ak-74u under uh, side folder clone cool. um with the dead air wolverine and like that? that's a 40 was that almost a 40 cal diameter can it's pretty big so they, they wanted to try to reduce some some back pressure by increasing the flow rate it's not perfect but it works so it something magical happens with that five four five yeah. little little cartridge with that can. It's a lot quieter than you would think it would be. Cool on an eight inch gun, and, and I cool. really and I and I was like when I first shot it, it was like that's strange. Like it's still like not hearing safe whatsoever. But yeah, for what not. what it's achieving, you're just like man, that really sounds good, and is not that spicy with your hearing protection off eight feet away cool you know so i did i did find that interesting on short guns and then that's cool and then my pkm has a wolverine on it <laughs> oh yeah um, the, your full auto pkm yeah right? yeah yeah so kelbley's who builds uh my match bolt guns they mm-hmm. actually built a dead air adapter for me oh that's cool for the uh pkm suppressor and okay. um and, and cut it for that thread pattern because the P, uh, dead air doesn't make anything for it and it was great. They, I think they only charged me like twenty five bucks or something. Oh what man! A custom adapter for a PKM to, to run. They must it. like you a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I think so. But man, that that gun is pretty fucking quiet too. With that That's can, cool. long barrel, fifty four R, and I was like, I, I didn't have my ears. I shot a pig with it in Texas, brought it to yeah. Texas, and put a couple bursts, rips off the belt at a at a big three hundred pounder and. Um, I forgot to put my ear pro down and, oh, and I was like, and I was like, wait a minute, that's, that wasn't that spicy. Like it that's cool. Could have been a lot worse, but it wasn't that spicy. And and that gun has a lot of gas bleed off at the gas valve. Yes. Um, I imagine a lot of energy going through that round, but um, yeah, I just, I just love it, dude. I, and I just wanted to, I want to learn more about the, 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 science behind it obviously um yeah but i mean you know a lot because you've sh- you've shot suppressed weapons a lot and i feel like folks that do that have a really good experiential data set i mean that's what i'm trying to do a lot of the stuff that i publish i think it's old hat for some folks because they know how they sound because they're so familiar with silencers but what i'm trying to do is like help people that may not have a friend that has it like 16 cans to go try right I want them to know, man, you're spending, I mean, you and I, we can get silencers fast. Right. But the public, man, I've been there, dude. You, when you wait nine months to a year for something, you, you kind of want to have an idea of how it sounds. So that's what I'm trying to do, man. I'm trying to help people. Yeah, it's not like you can go get visitation rights for your can while it's in ATF jail. I mean, some people can, but it's really hard. It's really hard. And then, and that's another thing. I think this is a good, this library is a great resource because um, there's constantly new cans coming out that do new things. And you might invest in a can being like, this is the creme de la creme this year. But by the time your shit clears ATF jail and you get possession of it, you're like, man, I just paid a thousand dollars for this can and the two hundred dollar hack stamp waited a year and now technology's changed. Yeah, the technology, you know what, and I and I might take some of the blame for this now. Part of the reason why I formed my company was to actually 
spur some innovation Good. in the silencer industry. And fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, that's actually happening now. So now some companies are coming out with some stuff because they're using QScience for R&D. They, they're able to see how changes in their silencers do things that they weren't able to see before and they weren't able to quantify. Right. So now that they can chase these things, it's becoming a little bit crazy. So I cannot and will not be responsible for your wallet shrinking as you continue to buy things as they become better. <laughs> yes. Yes. So to, to that, um, I've got some questions about 3D printed cans. Uh, 3D, yeah. 3D printing uh, brings a, a world of geometries that are incapable of achieving with standard machining practices um the the finishes and the the fit and finish of the actual texture of the inside of uh, a 3d printed can arguably on a small level creates more surface area because it usually has some sort of texture to it it can yeah um does that have an effect on skin friction drag of the flow going through the can and like when i say skin friction drag for people listening it's kind of an engineering thing about drag right you have a drag model like a teardrop dropping right that's like a perfect drag model like a raindrop um, or uh, NASCARs, right? Let's just look at NASCAR. Closest thing analogy. in a vehicle to a teardrop, right? So I did a I did a um, a project in college to mm-hmm. to see um, you know the little um, the little fins that you'll see on the back of Subarus and rally cars above the rear yeah. window. I was like, okay, that's a diffuser, right? Mm-hmm. What is that doing? Well, what it's doing is it's breaking apart the flow of air over the top of uh, as it passes over the roof. There's a pressure drop, pressure differential from the height of the roof to the height of the um, the trunk. And that mm-hmm. creates a vacuum, which can actually slow the vehicle down um, because it doesn't have a spoiler. It's not moving the, the flow of air correctly. So those diffusers break that air apart and, and reduce the drag from that drop, disrupt the air so it's not creating skin friction drag. So you can think of like, for people listening, put your hand on top of your other hand and you're dragging it. Um, you mentioned uh, ocean. You made some ocean references earlier. Um, so a wave. I wish I had a whiteboard, but a wave. So current is moving, or a wave is moving. Well, if you've ever looked at the the bottom of uh, uh, the ocean floor when you're at the beach and you see those little ribs on the ocean floor, those little peaks, land, and grooves of the the tide, those are from uh, flow at the bottom of the ocean is really slow compared to seaweed floating up top. Seaweed's flying in real fast, so there's a curve. So your curve is is um, like an exponential curve, mm-hmm. but opposite, within the way of flow. So you've mm-hmm. got flow moving the top, uh, the top of the, the wave is moving much quicker, and then the bottom kind of does this little dancing motion and creates yeah. those lands and grooves. So flow is a lot slower, and let's say in a can suppressor, flow is going to be slowest to the walls of the can versus the middle where the bullet is passing. So you were talking about quicker flow versus slower flow. Mm-hmm. And I can assume that even though the OSS cans are high flow, they're creating a lot of skin friction drag as it goes through its little corkscrew uh, they are. jet engine style. So, um, so I'm really interested in skin friction drag in extremely convoluted, ornate, uh, 3D printed yeah. cans. And if that's something that you see on the horizon being like better or you worse. You know, it's interesting. Um, when we introduce drag uh, and we introduce flow loss, we, we may 
change flow rate in some ways or direction, flow direction and, and the different flow vectors that occur. And you mentioned the OSS. I noticed something in their design that actually had nothing to do with that purposefully, but it was just an artifact of manufacturing. I, I figured out later when I went to visit and I looked at the dang things and I looked inside as a cutaway, I asked them, did you mean to do this with the roughness? Because um, I thought, to your argument, I thought that's why, why they did it. And they said, no, it's, it's easier to machine it. And I said, okay, well, guess what? What you're doing is making it work well. And it did. And I tested it and it works. And you know, we looked at these 3D printed designs. Um, there's a lot of opportunity for that. There's a lot of opportunity for flow shaping and roughness and different geometries that if you were to use a subtractive manufacturing method, such as like a mill and a lathe and things like that, you could do it. You could do a lot of it, but it becomes so labor intensive in the process. And it, it's not economical yeah. and practical. So there are companies, a lot of waste, a lot of time, a lot of just machining time and cost, which is just, it'll kill you. It'll kill you at scale. And, you know, so some companies have been doing that. Um, uh, Gosh, Daniel Defense came out with the Wave Silencer, which, in my opinion, didn't really take full advantage. I think that was more of a proof concept. I know CGS is doing some stuff. Um, a lot of, I mean, all their stuff's 3D printed now, the rifle stuff, Inconel or Titanium. You have um, SIG is coming out with a new line of 3D printed silencers. That's exciting. You have the Delta P Brevis. They're a, they're more of a government end guys. They've done some 3D printed stuff that's kind of small. Yeah, Titanium 3D printed too, right? Like the little, they have the little fat. Yeah, I think Pete from Firearm Blog has one. I need to talk to him about that. Maybe he'll send it to go and test it. I can't find one for testing right now. I haven't looked, but I haven't been, I haven't come across one. Are they still manufacturing um, those? I think they are, dude, but I think they're just, they're just government. They're like, you know what? We're going to hit our solicitations. We don't care about the consumer market. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah, I remember shooting one of those little Brevis cans. They're, they're interesting. Have you shot it? Yeah, I've shot it. That's I cool. Have, I have a lot of, a lot of fire coming out the end. Oh, really? That's what um, I figured. Yeah, but um, it, it, interesting. It, it's it is interesting, dude. I want to I want to check it out. And I, I'm so, I was very interest. I was very surprised to see how clean the 3D printed threads were. It looked like they did finish them with a tap of some they sort. Probably did. But but you notice the 3D print texturing on the uh, the tip of the, the threads. That's cool. So you still see that grittiness to it, and That's I, I didn't notice that. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm all about that, dude. You know what's interesting about 3D printing? It's getting really good. And um, so much so that in some ways, uh, the metallurgy is impressive to the point where you kind of wonder. And if, I mean, they've already shown that the grain structure can be just as good as like a bar stock forged material. So you're thinking to yourself, is this the future? You know, is it is it is it the future because of a lot of reasons? And and as the man, and then you know what well, we found out with computers, man. At first, you you want to play your computer game back in the nineties. You got you got to spend three thousand dollars on a freaking graphics card. Nowadays, I mean, computers, dude, your phone could do it. Yep. So imagine what's going to happen with silencers. I mean, I think I think the more we test, the more we understand the phenomena, and the more we see what can really happen. I think the sky's the limit right now, man. 
Yeah, yeah, and I and I'm looking at 3D printing too, like grain size for the laser centered stuff, and like, yeah. are, they, are they annealing the chamber at the same time so you get a better uh, flux of sorts? Uh, you know, maybe. I, I mean, it's crazy. Could you experience? Like, I would really be interested to see grain size of the particulate that they are welding in that process, so that yeah. maybe you're going to get like four or five times the internal surface area of the, uh, the you know, the the baffle chambers of the can and uh carbon mitigation to those is it going to burn like Ooh, carbon, that's a good question carbon uh, aggregation in there uh-huh. and how easy is it to clean these if you needed to like actually clean them? will a sonic bath release it if it's <sighs> the internal textures are too aggressive is it just going to hold on to that carbon that's a really great question you know what they're doing a lot of these companies well not a lot a couple they're using hexagonal boron nitride coatings Inside the the titanium silencers, uh, there's some trade various trade names for that. S line is a trademark hexagonal boron nitride coating, for example. I know CGS is using that one. I think I want to say is Energetic using that. I don't know. I know there's some companies using hexagonal boron nitride coatings, and what they're doing, dude, it's what they're putting them in the silencer. They're shooting the silencer, and the carbon's not sticking. It's not sticking. So you got to ask yourself, how cool is that? Put that on a belt bed. Yep. I mean, I mean, I mean, even down to like, fuck, I would, I would literally pay money to have my PKM barrels and my PKM, um, uh, gas ports coated in that. If I could, for the love of fuck, dude, you you suppress a PKM. They're only good for a thousand rounds before the, um, gas ports start clumping up and then you get adverse, uh, uh, cyclic rates that that will sucks. will beat the gun to death. Wait, so he doesn't erode. He clumps up. There's deposits that form. Yes. Restricted orifice on the orifices, restrictive orifice speeds up bolt carrier speed. And then I actually had my receiver deflect and caused the rear uh oh because over. of the because of the momentum was too great yeah it was beating itself literally uh, to death it's a scar it killed itself yes it will kill itself and then that was on uh so i was like oh how do you clean a pkm you turn it up the gas you turn up the gas setting you basically run it like hotter and it beats itself a little bit loose and then you usually it, it breaks the carbon up it's self-cleaning it's self-cleaning you turn it up to three <laughs> it's like wow buzzsaw and then you have a can on it so i ran it for like two little rips on Uh-oh. position three plus can and i couldn't open the feed tray so i had broken guns too yeah <laughs> so that's one thing is i'm great at breaking guns because i'm like and again we have access to things more accessible yeah. than other people so it's like Oh, I'll just send it off for them to fix it and get another one. PKMs are not that way because you know no, you have to buy kits. So I have to be nicer to it. I'm probably not gonna run it as suppressed as much as I, I want to. But um, you know, I, I had um we did a video with B and T and um oh yeah, the B and T APC9 Pro. And one thing that I've always hated is I, I do like the silencer co omega 9k for its size. Oh, do I have one here? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I hate Silencer Co's tri-lug adapter. Oh yeah, because it's it, it was the older style ones were a hundred like completely encased like its own system, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it it didn't break apart. So you unscrew it, right? This is a rugged. I think this is a rugged adapter inside the okay the Omega Nine K. So the spring and everything's in there, and it just uh-huh. blows apart when you unscrew it. But the uh-huh. the old Silencer Co ones were about an inch long. And eventually they get copper, uh, they get carbon fouled enough that the spring just gives out. 
So we're shooting it. Interesting. We're shooting it, and I'm like, why is my grouping going to shit? Why am I shooting hmm. a fucking five foot group right now? And so the trilug compressed the plunger all the way, and it just stuck there. And the can was just oscillating as we were shooting it. Oh no! No baffle strikes. Oh, I was having, great. But I was having jacket separation at the back of the at the back of the projectiles. Oh I don't, no! I don't know how. There's no damage to the can. But I think there's a little rattle to this now. No, I got it all out. But the other day I was shaking it. Like, <laughs> You're lucky. That's a it's a pretty tough can too. What it's the fuck can. is that? And I was like, oh my god, there's pieces of fucking copper jacket coming out. And um, it was because the 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 adapter broke. And then I went on Sicko's website, and they haven't been in stock for months. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I ended up finding out on Reddit. Thank you, Reddit. That uh, there's two others that fit the Omega 9K and do well. So good deal, dude. And look how small that is. It's like I don't know. That's is that the rugged? It's it either rugged or it's the Griffin. It might be the. Might griffin. be a Griffin. I recognize that, those ridges. I feel like that's a Griffin okay, style. So let's say this is the Griffin. I think it's a Griffin. But that's actually. cool. It works. And it's also um, one eighth the size of the Sicko. Nice. So I was really happy with that. And then this is a little Dakota tactic. How do you like the B and T, dude? You don't have to. You don't have to say it. You don't want to say it. So I, I, I like. <laughs> it's not an MP5. It's not a reverse stretch MP5 by any means. No, I like um, that. That's nice, by the way. Thank you. I and this is a machine gun too. I love this. Um, I, uh, I like the BNT. I, I think that it has a very predictable recoil. The way the heavy bolt. It reminds me of an old like my, my Mac 10 or my Mac 11. Where that bolt, a Lage Mac 11, uh, where that bolt just is really heavy. I like my Lage. And it hammers forward, and, and even though it has a little bit of muzzle rise on the on the shot, it kind of just drops right back to where you left it. So I do so like it's predictable. That's good. It's consistent. Um, the oh, trigger, consistent. The, the, okay. the trigger's decent. The controls are fine. Um, I'm not crazy about the little foldable, foldable uh, ambidextrous charging handles. Um, okay. They're okay. Um Sound sounds good. It has a nice resonance to it. Cool. Um, they're heavy as fuck. Are they really? They're really heavy for what it is. I haven't shot one. I'm kind of interested. I, I had a really bad experience with the B&T TP9. I have one. I have an SBR from the early days. Like for, uh, DSA imported them. Yeah. In, in back in the glory days, uh, that's a terrible firearm. Yep. Trigger is probably the most ass of any trigger on any sub gun. I've uh, ever I think, uh, you know, Steyer did that SPP back in the day and uh, B&T bought the rights to it and they made the, they made the MP9 and TP9 and uh, you put a silencer on that gun. I did the same thing. That gun, you did your PKM. Beat it to death. Beat it to death. <laughs> I told B&T they're supposed to, uh, we're, B&T and I are going to talk. We have some things to talk about. And uh, I would like to figure out how to make that better for them. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I think they have something new coming out to fix it or maybe a new silencer for it. They have a custom silencer for it that has such a high flow rate. It doesn't beat itself up. That's cool. I went crazy. I put my own silencers on it. I was like, I had these adapters made. I was like, we're going to do this. And then I was like, oh, I, I just did bad things to this gun. I've done very bad things to the TP9. <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible thing. that things um yeah so. and, and you know and, and that's again more questions i guess like is it a good suppressor host well yeah there was very little gas coming back through the system at me that's with the cool. omega 9k so i was happy with that um you know i have a full auto scorpion i put the okay the wolf sd on that with the full how'd leg. that do it was fine sped up the bolt speed a little bit but it was not bad 
wasn't um, bad okay it had a nice harmonics to it it had that little ding, 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 like that little like uh-huh. higher pitched uh a rapport from it um but was not bad it did not feel too adverse because the sick okay. on the scorpions are ridiculous um you know i was shooting it's a heavier bolt probably it is and i'm shooting i was shooting 147s because i try to go a little heavier on that um same thing with this i do have the 100 degree rotated bolt and i'm running 140 124 i try to stick with 124s with mp5s because you know that's their favorite to eat um yeah so i try to keep it in the you realm. should be able to run subs though you should be able to run 147s okay yeah 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 as long as you have a 100 degree rotated bolt on the mp5s i think oh, the, the locking piece yeah the locking piece because yeah. if it's the 80s i think you can cause problems you know what you can do I've, I've done some crazy like tuning of the mp5 <laughs> where i changed the bolt gap by changing the roller diameter to get it run crazy oh. dude i made it delay so much with the silencer that like you pull the trigger you shoot it and it's like psh, ka-chunk ka-chunk it's because you if you if you can you can actually delay the unlock to the point where it's like audibly crazy delay to where like it won't cycle correctly without the silencer. Yeah. I've done that to an MP5. It's awesome. Yeah, I've seen that done to scars, scar 17s. You, you, you can do that to a scar. You're like da, 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 and you're like, it's like it reminds me of like a fucking um like a you know like a why can't my a Swedish K like yeah, it's glorious. It's like your M11-9 with a tungsten bolt. You ever put a tungsten bolt in an M11-9 submachine gun? No. Dude, 650 rounds per minute. Oh, love it. It's like <laughs> clack, 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 clack. No, I love that. I have an old uh, Wraith XL on mine. And that, oh, yeah. That puts YHM? A, YHM. That, yeah, YHM. And that puts a lot of fucking gas through that laser upper back at me. And I have the OG can, too. I was going to have Bowers re... Oh, the Psionics? Yeah, I have the original, yeah, Psionics MP, uh, the, uh, yeah, the M11 can. Um, Dude, Bowers will retrofit it for you. I know, I know. I need to get it retrofitted. I keep forgetting to mail it out to them, but I have. He's it. a, he's a, he's a, he's a salty, he's a national treasure, that man. I, they're a great couple. I love both of them. They're, they're, nice. they're both great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just need to get rebound. I keep, they gave me a quote on, it was like 200 something bucks. And I was like, no shit. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, he's such a good dude. I need to send that out because I really fucking like the factory can with the wipes, and I have the baffles and wipes. That's uh, cool. Can and it sounds like you shake it; it sounds like all the rivets have come loose already. Like it's oh, the little eyelets and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I need yeah. To, I need to redo that fucker. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, dude, that that gun from the fact it was an unshot can when I got it, the original one, and that's whole, cool. Dude, like 1,200 RPM out of that gun was just Dude, insane. you should send that to Tom. I bet you he'd be interested in not only seeing it, but rebuilding it for you. The can, yeah. 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 Because, I, I mean, he, you know, he's like subgun royalty, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and people who don't know Bowers, they make, they have done some really cool shit, too. Like, their 50 cal cans for certain things. Like, they did a 50 Beowulf can for my buddy Lars. He was the first person to build a full-auto Mark One 50 Beowulf machine gun here in the States. Um, so they did a 50 cal can for him. Super, Dude, he's a nice guy. Super man. underrated company. For- he he did my podcast. He did like my second or third episode of my podcast with me. And cool. like uh, in a hotel room at Shot Show. That's awesome. And he pulled out a machine gun out of the, the hotel room drawer. He's like, Dude, check that, check out my hotel room gun. <laughs> I was like, you're so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> never yeah. talked to him i've only spoken to with his wife so no dude he is like he'll he'll talk to you all day about stuff bro that's cool you should have him on the podcast 
I should. I, I'm a sub gun nerd, dude. Like I really, yeah. I, and I like my old tube guns. Like I got, I bought Larry Vickers, his Swedish K, his no Mark four Sten, his Mark, uh, Mark four Sterling, Mark five Sten. Dude, you have a lot of guns. Yeah, I, I do. I do. <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah. I, I, we bought a lot of guns from Larry last year. Um, I went for the cheap ones cause I couldn't afford the Gucci Gucci ones, but my buddy bought, 160 machine guns from Larry. Um, a lot of them didn't run though. Larry, you told us they it, would run. Is he doing okay? I guess he's selling off a lot of his collection. Or? Yeah, he sold it off when he found out bad news. So we bought a bunch of stuff. But he's um, doing okay now. Yeah, I think I don't talk. To I want to say I, I thought he was done with the chemo, but I need to get back in touch because I like my PKM. I didn't get like the nut sacks or the the links or any of the extra parts. I got an extra barrel. Um, but he had, yeah. he still had like a fourth barrel for it and a bunch of other stuff. And I was like, please find, um, but never, never got some of the stuff. I did get some cool stuff from him. Like I got the CZ two K, which was the five, five, six prototype CZ AK that they made for position control group, which is cool. That's really cool. And you know, what's really fucking weird. There's like, I think there's like seven or eight of them ever made the week that I got it. It came with one polymer, clear polymer mag for it. And it's a five, huh. five. It looks like a five four five mag, but it's a five five six mag. I went on Gunbroker, and a buddy was like, "Hey, dude, check out this link." And it was a spare uh, CZ two K mag that was being sold out of like Georgia. And that's I, so weird. And I was like, eighty seven bucks. This is still cheaper than buying an STI mag. Fucking fucking a right. I bought it on the fucking spot. No, I think it was like one hundred thirty bucks, but. Um, I still paid over $100 for this prototype mag, and now I have a backup. So I can actually like run the gun and and keep the brand new unfired factory mag clean and then have the, a beater mag. That's really it. cool, man. But it was like, what a weird coincidence. You get the one of two in the US, I think. I think there's a guy in down south that has a the 74, like the short version. Um, okay. Yeah, it's funny. That happens. Like, you, you know, you put it out to the universe, man. You might just gun part the gun part gods will smile upon you yeah i got super lucky with that so yeah, yeah we bought some unique stuff i like unique weird shit and i like the cheap stuff i like tube guns like grease guns and, and all that yeah stuff. the stand the, those those old sub guns man it they're just so sweet to shoot and for me when you have a suppressed nine millimeter sub gun with subsonic ammo it's something like i you love to hand it to a new shooter yeah and just watch them they're like you know, when you, you shoot the, just the M11, like a cheap stamp steel 80s sub gun, you put a tungsten bolt in it, you hit, hand it to a 12-year-old, you know, and they're shooting it and they're just smiling like, this is great. And you're like, I know, it's the greatest thing ever. And it's like, you, you people just, they get into that. And I've never met someone shoot one, didn't want one. Right. That's how I feel about the MP5 platform. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like, if, if, you, if you ever have to pick a machine gun to shoot once, it, it has to be an MP5. So they're fit. The, the the recoil can the recoil kinematics of the MP5 are not duplicated in other subguns. They're simply not. It it the, the the it's more than just how it sounds or how it looks or how it feels. The way the bolt cycles and and reciprocates and fires the next round, it is not duplicated in other guns. And and it just and I'm afraid that that it's going to stop. Like I I, get, I always get afraid. Like people, we're going to lose that. And because it's old. And then I saw what's that company, man, makes the they start they wanted to make a the roller delayed blowback AR. Inkstat? Inkstat, yep. U UMP not UDP, so something, something, yeah, something. UDP and, nine. Yeah. 
but there's one and i don't know is it being sold is it, is it real i don't know i saw when it first came out and they were like yeah delayed roller ar and i was like uh okay but it takes glock mags i don't want that no i want cult i want cult mags or mp5 mags mm. or uzi mags i think um i wish the maxim made a nine millimeter I think that took you could change the mag well, or you could take MP5. They had an MP5 mag variant, so you could put MP5 mags on their nine millimeter gun. But that was, I think, just a standard blowback gun. So yeah, that's dumb. Um, I lost money to Kalishnikov. They were at the Dead Air booth like three shot shows ago. They were selling a a Vitz nine millimeter. This was before the K KP or KR nine from. Kusa came out, but okay. they were selling an interchangeable magazine well Vitz inspired AK. Okay, that's kind of cool. You could pull a pin and you could use MP5 mags, you could use Vitz mags, you could switch it over to Glock mags, and they came out with a bolt carrier design that could still pick up the rounds on all of those magazines just okay. by doing a quick swap on the mag, uh, the mag well, and it came with like you picked what magwell you wanted and you could buy extra magwells as add-ons. It was a great idea. And the concept was there. Um, that dude fucking straight up took everyone's money. They took oh. they took um deposits at Shot Show, and I think they were operating out of the dead air booth at the time. And um I cut a dude to check at Shot Show for like two grand. I was like, oh, I support this. Fuck yeah. And then they went dark. And the guy, I, and there was another company that was taking money to uh, uh, Skunk Works, not Skunk Works. It was uh, Something Works out of Arizona who was a, a Cerakoter. And he was okay. up, he was taking orders for it and taking money to and taking his profit. And both people went dark. Man. Paintworks out of Arizona. And he took my money and I cut him like a 50% check or something like that for the gun. And this is like, this is, no, this was like five years ago. Let me take that. This is five years ago. And granted, my company was real small at the time. And I was like, oh, I yeah. you know, need to try to get something cool. And they went dark. I know that I was in a group chat, a group on Facebook of everyone that's been fucked by it. So they were all like, <laughs> that's how you know it's real. Sharing notes <laughs> for like a class action. Like, oh, well, and one guy was like, well, I actually had a Vitz like cut gun. Like he had yeah. a cut receiver gun and a kit gun that he got, and he they were supposed and he actually like filed the form four on it to get it SBR'd, and so the ATF got involved on in that, and I had to call the ATF, and I was like, "Do I get my money back?" And they're like, "No, you have to go small claims for that. It's not a it's not an ATF issue." And and I tried getting my money back from this guy, uh, the painter in uh, Paintworks or something in Arizona. And um, I was like, can I get my money back from you? And he was like, well, I lost money too, man. And I was like, how? I cut you a check. Like, dude, just... what is it with that part of the country? You're, dude, you remember Todd Bailey? Yes. Do you know who that is? That, the MP5 clones? Yes. Bro, I had an MP5. Uh, he had a couple of companies, Special Weapons, Bobcat Arms, Kohari Arms. He had all these shell companies with the HK tooling. Yeah. I had an MP5 from this guy. I'm shooting it. I went to slap it to chamber, or I guess it would be this hand. Yes. <laughs> Slapped it to chamber. The caulking tube separated from the receiver. Oh. The weld failed. I looked at it. I was like, well, there's no penetration on that weld. It reminds me of science industry right now. I looked at this. I was like, this isn't okay. I say, call, I call up Todd and, hey, man, my caulking tube came off the gun. 
He's like, ah, oh, that's probably user error. I said, okay. <laughs> Never got that gun running right, man. The receiver was all bent. I, to this day, it's sitting in my safe. I have this MP5 clone with a crooked receiver with a, with a re-welded caulking tube. I need an MP5. Dude. If anyone's listening. <laughs> no, dude, send it to fucking Dakota Tactical. He does rebuilds. Does he? Yes, he does. He takes people. He does rewelds. He fixes things. He's uh, Joe Stapelio over there. Is a is he cool? Fucking gangster. I mean, he's busy. Like his guns are two years back ordered, but he does repairs. But he's cool. All right, um, I'll call him. And I'm sure he would love to talk to you about cans and stuff. He's a he's a really good dude. So he basically okay. so uh, his bread and butter was this gun. That's the reverse stretch, right? Um, yeah, the reverse stretch. So full size receiver, K front. And he came up with the recoil. Uh, How do you like it? Uh, my favorite gun ever made, ever. Do you like it because the recoil impulse is more satisfying than the K, but with the sound of the full? Yes, and length of pull for me. I like having the short, short, short barrel. With... It's more. It's more ergonomically sound for a, a full size man. It's more yeah. comfortable for me. I can get my elbows tucked real tight. Um, I'm running our 193 on it because it's kind of nice. To oh, also... that is your your red dot mount. That's nice. Yep. So that's ours. It's got like that AR-15 sight post, and then okay. I'll flag myself in the face. But um, yeah. Oh, okay. I see. That's that's really nice. A little pistol rear sight. So yeah, and I like the 193 because I'll run this with um with uh, tubes on, and and nice thing is too, if I want to do corners with it or come around the left side, I can left eye dominant shoot if I need to as well with that extra height. Oh, that's nice. Um, so yeah, I like it. But um, yeah, I'm, I just love this gun so much. And I, I went like 20,000 rounds with it before I even bothered to change out the copper uh, extractor spring. Those, I mean, those are the first things to go, those little, those little extractor springs. There's nothing wrong with it. I could have kept going. I just changed it out. It, of, it must be adjusted really well. It, 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 it must be just running good. It's so happy, you know. I love um, that. It's such a happy gun. I feel like Bob Ross. Keep your guns right happy, man. You're. I was <laughs> looking around. Oh, hold on. Is this going to reach? I have a. I have to have a gun right here. I want to show you. Hold on a second. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> Mark eighteen. Um, this is a. Where is it? It's an Anderson. Um. Oh, it's, it's like blurring the background, but it's a, it's select fire, but it's an Anderson lower. And this is the gun that I tested with P science. This is the Mark 18 host. And, um, this silencer is quiet, dude. RC2? This, this RC2. I am actually really liking it right now. It's surprisingly quiet. It. I'm super excited about it, but on this gun, it has a little bit of port pop. So I'm going to tune this Mark 18. A little bit and see what i can get out of it um i know a lot of people are kind of wanting to know how quiet can you get the ar at the ear everyone in their mom told me the surefire silencers were loud everyone in their mom dude and then some and then every once in a while you hear a guy be like you know i really like the tone of my surefire silencer and i, I latch on like tell me more about your experience sir ma'am <laughs> and they start to tell me um well you know what it has this nice deep tone. I'm like, interesting. Yes. It's like a bowstring. Yeah, interesting. I was like, well, you're in luck because the suppression rating quantifies that. So, because if it sounds more pleasing, it's going to be better for your ears, which means the suppression rating goes up. It's all tied to physiology. There's no trick in it. 
So I was thinking to myself, well, I'm going to test it. So I tested the 762 RC2. I tested the 300 SPS. I tested the, the 556 RC2. And other than the, the war comp mount sucking, dude, you use these things with a three prong? Dude, they're cool. Yes. I have a three prong so machine gun behind me nice. know, with an RC2. How well. do you like it? Dude, I... I was the same way, dude. I was not crazy about old Surefire stuff back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't, I was like, man, sound suppression's not that great, blah, 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 blah. And then I snatched an RC2 uh, for a customer that never bought it or filed their form for. Um, happens. So now it's mine and it's on nice. my gun. And uh, hold on, I'll just grab it real quick because I just, I'm so happy with it. Um, <laughs> Let me run around like a little kid over here. So I have a, uh, let me put my headphones back on. So I did a 16 inch special purpose rifle, uh, select fire Noveski N4 lower. Nice. It was uh, one of the arrow uppers. And the reason why I picked the arrow is one, it was in, in stock and on sale, but it's the one that has the bezel that's machined the bell. Bro, I have one of those, dude. And I thought it would be a great host for a special purpose rifle so I could put uh, the Harris bipod on and actually nice. lo load this and not worry about something wiggling on a barrel nut. Yeah. Um, so I put the RC2 on it. and uh, Okay, it that's does, a 5.56. Five, six. Yep, yep, yep. And it does not have an adjustable gas block. But, man, what a soft shooting gun. And I put... Um, the Condition 1 on with a T2 and a... What, uh, what, what barrel length? 16 inch. What gas system length? Oh, fuck. I don't know. When... Is it a mid? Looks like a mid. Probably. It's not a carbine, probably. That's crazy. No, it's a mid. So yeah. it's probably, yeah, that's cool. Like, you just have a fixed gas block, but that RC2, dude, the RC2, where's my RC2 at? One second. I'm going to pull this thing off the gun. The RC2, hold this up from the cam camera if I can here. It is a great silencer. It has these vents inside. You can't see them when you look in. You got to use a borescope. But what it's doing is it's immediately in the, in the blast chamber, it's venting to the space between the outer tube and the, and, the, and the welded stack. And they have these progressive vents through the stack, through the baffle stack too. So what that's doing, and it, but it still has that 5.56 bore aperture, that special purpose. Like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, you said you kind of want people to use cut like a can dedicated for the caliber right so it does all that but man it must be and i'm still researching but their baffles are like they're actually like um they're like cups and oh. they go concave and convex and you can find the patent cutaways it's really interesting it's actually a copy of the ops cans okay all right you know ron allen yeah. ops inc yeah, yeah. like they're, they're called allen arms or whatever uh, the, the aem5 the, the 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 ops 12th model on the on the cool the cloners use it yeah it's like that but surefire copied a lot of that yeah. and they they put that in their silencers and it is awesome dude and so i'm 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 geeking out i'm still studying rc2 um i i studied the 762 extensively i'm studying the 556 now and uh bro just don't use one of these i'm gonna pull hold this up to the camera this war comp with with a no bueno this will leak gap. This will not seal on the gun, and you will get a shockwave at your face. Oh, I should probably check to see which one I put on here because I don't remember. 
Yeah, yeah. Look and see if it's a three prong. Like, where's my three prong at? It's on the gun. Problem is, I've got so much shit here. It's hard to get the can off the gun. See the three prong. It's um, it doesn't have those ports. It has those little seals. Oh, so I might folks have... listening at home. It has those little machine seals on there. I might have a war comp on this. I'm gonna cry if I do. I do have a I do have a three prong that I can put on this. But bro, yeah, you, you but you're wearing hair protection. I mean, bro, don't like don't use the work on. <laughs> don't use the, the fucking problem is I got so much shit up front on this. It gun. might be carbon locked because of the work comp. <laughs> it might I only put like a hundred rounds through this gun, so hopefully no, not. Even so. No, it's just it's literally the 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 pressure tab. Oh, the press. Sometimes you have to is it, under it, my fucking light, <laughs> dude, dude. But also, like that's the thing. If Surefire could improve one thing, if they could just improve this whole situation back here, if it I could do, do what, if you could just press that button, it did what the dead airs do, where you can just completely yeah. just hold the can and get it off. Yeah, if the, if the Surefire had a better mount, dude, you would not. It would be probably hard to sell other silencers for rifles, like because their silencers are good. I mean, they're really manufactured really well, and I don't understand this whole situation. But um, wait, do you have to do? Do you have to twist it off while you rotate the collar? No, 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 no. You 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 press down, and if the firearm is pointed away from you, you're gonna twist the twist the um. You're gonna unlock it counterclockwise. Yeah. Okay. So it's lefty loosey while pressing that. Yeah, it's fucking locked. Yeah, while pressing that, it's probably carbon locked, dude. Um, it's okay. I think so. I I think I grabbed the war comp from somewhere, and then my three prong came in, and I have my three prong on my base. So this is gonna go back to work with me on yeah. Monday. Put your three prong on and 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 enjoy it. Oh, here's a three prong. I literally brand new in the package. <laughs> yeah, I have one in the package yeah. downstairs, and I was like, oh, I just what? got money in from Surefire. I have one on back order. They're like, apparently, dude, someone just sent me an email, dude, like a a, consu a member of Pew Science. Just sent me an email, um, and he was like, "Dude, I called Surefire, trying to buy a three prong. They said they're in such high demand now that uh, they're only selling in lots of twenty five. Yep. And they tried to sell me a war comp, and I was like, "No, nah, but Jay's data says the war comp sucks." And the Surefire guy was like, "No, it's okay, it's okay." <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, don't buy the war comp. It's not gonna work." <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. But um, I'm gonna get in trouble. It's fine. No, you're not gonna get in trouble. Wait, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying. Well, first, uh, I got this Annex Defense uh, Arca M lock. Huh? I love. Do you fuck with Arca? I don't, dude. I don't fuck with M lock okay. personally. But Arca is <laughs> is camera rails. Oh, and they transitioned cool. in the PRS community because it's a quick throw clamp. So you want okay. to put this on a tripod really, really fucking quick and drop it on. Um, Arca okay. rails and PRS. My PRS gun. The bags are Arca. The grips are all like everything that is on its Arca, and it's a free fluid system. So I can have three things on okay. this at once, and okay. on my PRS gun. So okay. um, Annex Defense makes these super lightweight aluminum Arcas, and I can just, you know, if I'm doing like a special purpose rifle class at Ridgeline, I can just throw this on the tripod super fast, latch it down, and start sending rounds down range. So you're not that's gonna, cool. You're not like tightening down on a Picatinny or something like that. So that's kind of like my one and done, do everything gun. And cool. it happens to be a machine gun um temporarily but uh yeah i'll get that fucking switched out but you I, should dude i'm really happy about this and i got the the larue adapter on the ctr on the back which i think is such oh a the cool cheek riser that's i need to get one of those that looks nice especially when you have the high mount yeah and i'm running the 193 on that but um what the fuck was i gonna say though 
had something in my on my mind that I said I just wanted to show the annex off before. Um, yeah, the 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 surefire cans are freaking. They're cool, man. They're I, tough. I was like pleasantly surprised with the RC too, because at first I was like, eh, my my old experience with the surefire, no, they're not that quiet. You know, they're not this, but this, you're right. There's a there's a there's a very satisfactory. It's a deep tone, kind of, but but it's five five six, so it's not super deep, but it's not crazy. It's not harsh. It's not not satisfactory. It's a very satisfying tone to yeah. it. it. It it reminds me when I'm when I'm especially when I'm on the tripod and loading the tripod. The resonance from the whole system just feels just very nice, satisfying. Huh? You're just like. Thunk, 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 have you ever thunk, shot thunk. this, dude? No, the NT4. I haven't either. You know whose can? This is Lucas from T Rex Arms. This is his can. Oh, nice. He let you borrow it. His, yeah. He was like, bro. It, first of all, I don't even know that dude, but he's super nice. And he like reached out to me. He's like, I'm gonna support your company. I'm gonna support Pew Science. And what do you need to test? And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, dude. This is personal science. He he formed three to me. Oh, cool. Cool. He's a cool dude. So I'm gonna test it. Um, yeah. I heard it sounds good. I heard this is like a deep tone. Um, I don't know. So, and that's another question I have for you. So, because I was going to say, if you if you ever wanted to test the Krebs um, nine by thirty nine pistol with a can, if I'm, I don't know if you have a Wolfman, but um, I don't. Or the Wolf now. SD, but yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I'll just fucking now. I sent it to you. Now the question is, so like with guns, right? I yeah. can receive pistols, and I put them on. I'll make holster with the pistol. Right. So it's cool. So it's, I can put it on repair book, like an intake for SOT. So I'm like, okay, thank you for your gun. It's been here for more than 72 hours. So we log it and then we get to ship it right back to the customer. It doesn't have to go through an FFL. Mm -hmm. Um, So he formed three that to you. You have to form three it back to him. Yeah, I can do it either way. You can do it. I was going to say, because if you just took it in on a repair by tech, I can. So, yes. I mean, ATF told, okay, now um, here's a really, this is, your listener is going to be like, what? But this is good for them to hear. So, the ATF actually told me, because this works a couple ways. So, I'm an 0702. So, I'm a manufacturer slash, I'm an SOT, I'm I'm an SOT manufacturer. So, an SOT FFL. So, so you're an 0702. So, we can technically take in an item for repair gunsmithing, not only from another SOT, but from a consumer. Right. Dude, ATF was like, it's totally fine, blah, blah, blah. But we recommend that you form five, a silencer from a consumer when you test. I was like, you, re- you recommend me, I form five. And he's like, well, it's not mandatory, but we recommend you form. I was like, I'm not going to form five anything, bro. How about no? No. Can you can you imagine form fiving something from a consumer to like to to repair it? That's crazy. So they yeah. say they don't make it mandatory, but they say they recommend to track. And I was right. like, that I don't want to go down that road. No. So what I did was like, you know, so what I've been doing is I've been form three, form three from SOTs because form threes are running a day or two. Right. And it just it keeps the ATF happy. Um I don't think we it's I don't think it's mandatory, but my turnaround time for testing isn't like a day. Okay. I'm gonna keep it for a while and I'm gonna be testing it. And I felt more comfortable with form three. 
just from a compliance standpoint. Yeah, so I'm still logging everything that comes in, obviously. Yeah. So, still so like, but even if it was, if, if I was in your position, technically I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to clean this suppressor before I give it back. If it is a... You know, oh, I a, mean, and ATF is okay with right, it. I mean, yeah, they know what... Can, I, I'm performing diagnostic services. So yeah. it is a testing, you know. Your diagno diagnostic services per can, essentially... Um, yeah. So technically it could go on a repair book. You never have to form three it as long as you're logging it. And even if the SOT logs it out of their books and back on for repair, I have like a NFA repair book too. So I, I make the ATF be like ATF, uh, NFA repair book, a, uh, ATF, A and D, um, eight, uh, NF, or sorry, NFA, A&D, NFA manufacturing book. So right. uh, manufactured cans, manufactured machine guns, SBRs, SPSs, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you need all that. That's all yeah. part of your bound book system. I mean, I mean you have, yeah. You technically you're... don't, but if you don't want the ATF there. Uh, <laughs> you do. So it's like, it's like, yeah. it's like, but that's the thing. There's like, well, technically you don't. It's like, yeah, unless you want the ATF there for a month. Right. Um, do separate it and i don't do electronic i still do bound books but um yeah i have like six fucking books it's you know? important i mean you're it's bookkeeping is part of the game and i i just you know with all the rights infringements that we have i mean we're already trying to help consumers get them good information the last thing i want is to get pigeonholed into some kind of crazy red tape stuff right and then the effort stops um speaking of red tape and effort do you question that's been asked quite a bit is there are there any form one uh eighty percent can man eighty percent whatever manufacturers that you would recommend? You know, it's really that exists. It's really still. interesting. I'm really torn in what I say because I I wear these hats. I have you know in my in my professional career that I and I'm still practicing. So in my day job. You know, I'm charged with protecting the public. Right. I know in it, Pew Science is not necessarily that, but at the same time, there's a lot of parallels and something I do take personally. And my passion is is to help people. And I get really nervous when people start making their own silencers. And it's not because I don't think they're capable necessarily. It's not that I think they can't do it. And it's not that I necessarily think they can achieve a great product, but it is... It, you are not, you're taking a kit. You are manufacturing an item that is a dynamic pressure vessel and you're putting it on the end of a firearm and you are putting yourself at risk and the bystanders at risk by using it. Now, that's not to say don't do it. Some of the greatest silencer companies in the world started off that way. Right. You know, Silencer Co. wouldn't have really existed if it wasn't for Todd McGee making the Sparrow in his garage. Right. Or at least the core. PAP has helped improve it, the system. Um, but, you know, I look at some of these Form 1 makers and vendors, and I see what they're they're doing. And it's not just Form 1, guys. I see some Form 4 manufacturers, and I'm not going to mention any names because it'll be a hellstorm. But I see some Form 4 guys. They're using consumers as R&D. Their sponsors are blowing up, and then they're just making them thicker and selling them more because they don't even know what they're doing with R&D. So you take a Form 1. And you and you you put it on a on a rifle. I mean, twenty two. You can do that all day. You put a form one on a on a five five six. You better be sure. Now that being said, um, you know there are, there are some form one guys that kind of made the transition into form four that are doing really great stuff. Otter Creek Labs. I tested some of their stuff. Um, they're they're probably going to become big in the PRS world because their cans are accurate and quiet, 
Um, that dude was, his name is Andrews out of Kentucky. He was doing form one stuff under the name, um, Queltech. Is that, it used to be, he was a form one. He was, I don't know if he's still in business doing that, but he was making bout with, uh, solvent traps or whatever you, I don't know what that's called. Whatever. Not suppressor suppressors. Not silencers, <laughs> but you buy them, you file a form one, then you manufacture them. And 80% to be a suppressor. <laughs> sure. And, 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 you know, his designs are really quiet um you know for the for what they are uh you know the jk armament makes something where it's a form one type product where you buy it without paperwork and then you file the form one you drill the holes a lot of people ask me jay when are you going to test that i say when i get to it because right now we got a huge market of what do i got on my desk well i just showed you oh i, I actually can't show you some of this stuff I, oh i have one of these qe rector nine kind of cool um you know I, we have all these form four things we need to test get to first and i so i shy away from recommending what i would i would recommend a form if you want to get into form one stuff start with 22 that's what i would recommend oh. because what you're going to do is you're going to it's going to be more forgiving for you it's going to be easier it's going to be safer and it's good you're going to learn a lot and you're going to determine whether or not you want to chase that you, you want to chase that dream right if, if if you if you want to do build a nine millimeter silencer for your handgun, or if you want to build a rifle silencer, you, you know you can. I'd encourage you to start with twenty two. Yeah, yeah. I think and and the, there's a lot of companies I've been pinched lately. Uh, someone was mentioning like White Trash Tactical or White Trash. Something. I've heard of them. Um, I have never, I have no experience with him. One of the better like form one suppressors I saw was my buddy Foster Huntington. He had a, a, a form one can on his AK and it was, mm -hmm. I was pretty surprised. Now cool. the, the, the adapter to the tube would loosen up every once in a while, but it didn't get that hot surprisingly as well. I, I thought it was a pretty nice little, little form That's one can, cool. but, um, cool. Fuck man. We talked for, Dude, we were like, are we, do we do two hours? We're at two hours. I mean, I, I, I was not supposed to, to be here this long, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, if you're ever up for it, uh, we can do a part two <laughs> at some point. Bro, you need a part two and you come on my podcast too. That'd be fucking rad. So we can do a more in-depth yeah. continue and, uh, and I'll, I'll have more props available. Um, dude, me too. I, dude, I'm in like the middle. I, I didn't have, I just like had a random machine gun sitting here. That's just my life. And that's the same with you. It looks like, so. Yeah, yeah. No, this is my uh, office, my home office. I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same place. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in my home office because uh, I had UK MOD meetings this morning. Oh, that's like, right. yeah. real early and i'm like yeah i'm not going to work to do those meetings i'm gonna fucking do yeah i here. had research meetings too that's dude that's exactly the reason i'm working from home today too so um yeah, yeah. let's dude, that do was fun man it was fun um i uh i i'm really happy because I'm, I'm a dork uh, I'm a, I'm an engineer dork and I don't get Dude, to like, you're looking at, I mean, who are you talking right now? <laughs> yeah. But I, don't get to, I don't get to, I'm going to use some, some keywords. I don't get to uncork my engineering that much because, um, you know, I, I've already pioneered how we want to do our holsters. Right. So we already have a system. So it's not like I'm, I'm not problem solving that much as much Jesus, as I, I want to try your holsters now. Yes. We can get you situated in that email chain af right after this. I'll, yes. I'll find out what you need in your address. But, um, yeah, dude, it's one of those things where um, we, we have done some good manufacturing achievements lately. Like we just finished uh, how to uh, build and construct and CNC cut our pre-curved standard outside the waistband pancake style holsters. And we just did that. For, for, dude, those are my favorite outside so, the waistband. 
Just it's tighten so the body, yes. so easy. And then ours has this curve to it that I'm really happy with. And we finally got it so that, okay, this, this section, this section line up, they look good. And we just did our first uh, run for FN. So we do OEM for FN. And oh, yeah. dude, that's what I need. I need my compact tactical with, with, have a holster for it. There we go. Well, I have CNC cut ones ready to go. You know what I mean? So we can do that in whatever color you want. Um, but uh, so we just finished that. So we're going to start rolling um, SIG. Uh, going to do some SIG stuff. Um, SIG's up the street. So we got to do some SIG stuff for them. Um, for, for outside the waistbands and so that manufacturing process i was really happy i was like okay if we do it this way it will fucking succeed and then my engineers nice. apply it and, and it works um uh i gotta i gotta get like an eyelider and like custom weld it because there's one where we have a product oh, okay. called the gittera it's a, a three banger magazine insert for uh kangaroo uh pouches for chest rigs oh, cool. and we're using normal hardware on the sides but i want to eyelid it on the sides instead and, okay. and, and, and there's no eyelet machine out there that'll do what i need it to do there okay. is one um from a company that does uh they make um, a tourniquet holder and they eyelet their stuff and i was like how did you get that to work and they're like oh we had to weld up our own arms and do this and so i found out what, i found out what machine they're using and and i'm just gonna custom build my own arms for it but you know just I, cool. I just like problem solving that sort of deal um i just i really enjoy it and I'm and I'm back in it pretty good. So uh, Dude, that's awesome, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to learn more about your products. That's really cool. Yeah. I and I love the military side. That shit makes me so happy. Is doing cool. the military like um, oh, we have this and we need some something to do for this. And I'm like, okay, I got I'll, I'll figure it out. Like one there's one that we talked about today that if I can execute it, it's kind nice. of real. Thank you for that idea, guys. Thank you. That's UK cool, money. man. It's gonna, I'm gonna try. No, to I hear. I hear those uh, MOD blokes are nice. They are. They are pretty nice. So, wow. um, anyway, man, uh, this was episode 19 of the A&R Design Unholstered Podcast. Jay, uh, owner and uh, technical executive. What happened? You're gonna. gonna <laughs> you did fine, man. Technical. Hold on, I got Dire- uh, Technical director. So director, executive, close enough. Um, uh, it's all me, dude. I run Pew, it. Pew Science, guys. Um, you can find Jay on Instagram. He publishes his recipes like guns, silencer, ammo. Uh, makes it real simple for you on social media to go. Oh, that's what that does. And um, uh, what what an awesome awesome uh time i had it, i love getting real technical and talking engineering because it makes me feel like my degree is doing something in my brain it was awesome dude <laughs> uh pewscience.com the j situation podcast every wednesday we've done like 80 episodes so far and it's going it's crazy i explained the research on the podcast everything's free on pewscience.com if you want to support us you came with a membership you get more data and uh, you keep it going that's cool that's awesome well jay thank you so much for being on my little tiny humble uh podcast that i don't do enough of (laughs) hey man it's awesome we're gonna do it again awesome thank you so much thank you sir thank you for listening to the a&r design unholstered podcast with alex costa